All right. Um, so I just want to welcome you guys to uh, the story of when I got bent. We are trying to remove some of the stigmas around uh, decompression sickness and talk about uh, maybe a little bit of bubble denial, um, the outdated uh, deserved and undeserved hit, uh, and talking about kind of what that means and how that delays uh, possible care. So we have uh, at least two people that are joining us. Uh, we're waiting on a couple other people to see if they come in, uh, but we are going to have everybody kind of join us in a group roundtable chat and talk about their experiences on how they got hit, uh, what DCS happened, uh, how they got the treatments and, and kind of some things about that, and then talk about uh, maybe things that, and definitely things that delayed their progress into getting into the chamber. And so without uh, any more delay, we're going to welcome Derek Ferguson and Jesse. There we go. We got the guys here now. Hi, Derek. Hi, Jesse. Hello. 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 Just so you guys know, Derek's on a little bit of a delay because he's in Cave Country right now with a uh, with a little uh, satellite dish supplying. So if you guys got questions, feel free to throw them in the comments over on uh, well my right hand side of the screen. But uh, how you guys doing today, Jesse? How are you? Have a little <laughs> let's direct at specific. Going to be pointed. I don't know when to talk. Yeah. Uh, yeah, doing well. Yeah, just Good. was uh, working most of the day. Now I get to relax with a little conversation about DCS. My nice. Excellent. Derek, how are you doing? I'm good. I uh, I spent the day reading a book and uh, not working. And now I'm going to talk about diving, which is better than not talking about diving. Fair enough. I like that. That's a good, that's a good policy when it comes to... Uh, and I have beer. Yeah. I got to get my whiskey, actually, speaking of that. So I... And I told people that I'd be finding this, so I'm assuming that the New England guys, uh, Jesse, you're still at work, kind of, right? So you can't drink with us for another half an hour. I think we're allowed to drink at work in the last Ooh. half hour of the day. At this point, I don't, I don't know. No, <laughs> yeah. quarantine is quarantine a whole different set of rules. Are All we supposed right. to drink during this? I can go get a glass. Yeah, sure. I mean, I've got the Belveni Caribbean Cast 14. So, oh, wow, that was that was super fast. Jesse was just freaking running on that shit. So we should be drinking whiskey. You can if you beer. want to. I know that you're a Jameson guy, but if you already started with beer, it's up to you. I've got a little bit of Jameson. I don't mind. Don't tell Alan. He's so. not tuned in. I'll do that. <laughs> okay. Yes. You gotta. You gotta toast to, to DCS. There's, that's the only way to do it. Oh, absolutely. Matt Glass, because this is a lot sweeter than before than the other ones. <laughs> I got my uh, our custom done glasses. Oh, you can't see it because of the light. Uh, we got glasses made that people have been buying up. So we got those. We got them listed on the website and everything. So they're pretty badass. Mine's not really as fancy. Yeah. Whiskey glasses. You see these, Derek? They're posted on the That's on the pretty page. awesome. I, I have a rum glass. Nice. Yeah, Glen Karen glass. We figure if we drink whiskey at every single thing, hopefully I'll be able to drink more and more whiskey as we go. So, oh, oh you got JMO too? I, maybe I should have done the JMO instead. Maybe that's the next one. Yeah, I'm doing the castmate. Nice castmate. Oh, the snorkel. You gonna drink it through that? Because that's about the only thing that thing's worthwhile. No, it's just important that you have your snorkel with you. Oh, all the time. Oh, Danny Rivera reminded me. I have a 
Hey, there you go. Yep. You really have your snorkel with you at all times. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> there we go. Alan, uh -oh. that's mine. <laughs> I was hoping he wasn't tuned in. Yeah, he is. I thought he was going to be at your house. Did you he doesn't come together? over anymore. You know, him and his girlfriend abandoned me. So, oh, that's no good. This is um, for you, Danny. There you go, Danny. All right. Well, cheers. Thanks for stopping by. Cheers, Jesse. There you go. All right. That is excellent. Mm -mm. It's a little bit sweet, but it's good. Thanks, Here Alan. Oh, Danny says shoot the link over. Danny's going to join us. Um, let me see here. So, um, while I'm shooting Danny the link over, how have you guys been doing? What have you guys been doing to keep yourselves busy? Can I go first again? Yep, go ahead. <laughs> um, mostly working. Working from home these days. So, that's pretty cool. Being able to keep up. You know, working during all this time and doing stuff like that, diving when I can, mostly on the weekends. You know, teaching a dive master course on the side, and just getting on any boat, any opportunity I have. Yeah. So you're a little bit opened up right now. So that's that's a nice, nice and convenient for you. Uh, and actually, Derek, you're in Florida too, right? So that's. Yep. That means you guys are opened up also. Yeah, we're we're pretty well opened up at this point. Good. All right, Danny's going to join us in a second. Uh, so Derek. Well, let's do this. Derek, what do you do for work? So um, I do uh, video production for DiveRite usually, um, but with uh, everything that's going on, they kind of um, put a hold on that temporarily. Um, so I do uh, teaching. I teach scuba sometimes. Um, I work on dive boats. I go cave diving. I kind of do whatever I can. I guide guide people in caves. Um, kind of do whatever I can to go diving to get or getting paid to go diving. So nice. That's great. And, and Jesse, oh, no. you work for headquarters. Danny's coming in right now, but Danny's taking a walk. Hi, Danny. <laughs> Hi, guys. I, I clicked on, as soon as you were, got up and started walking. So, <laughs> um, so, Jesse, you work for World Headquarters for TDI-SDI, International Training, yes? Yeah, much like Derek, I try to find ways to get paid for diving in any way that I can. So I work for International Training in a week. On the weekends, I'll, you know, teach or do boats and stuff when the opportunity presents itself. I try to stay wet. So, so explain this thing where you actually get paid to dive. I was not aware that this was a thing. Well, you know, paid is a pretty flexible term. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, I think that's <laughs> I mean, good. You've been in the industry longer than me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's that's why I'm confused. I don't know what I did wrong. Uh, yeah. And then uh, Danny you with us. paid $55 for a photo. Oh. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Danny uh, is the owner of Good Life Divers. Jo Danny's joining us. I'm sure he's got stories also. So we were talking about this not too long ago. Actually, this is kind of where this came from is – uh, Danny and I talking about bubble denial in uh, in an IDC. So, um, you know, it only takes little things to spark my interest some way in deciding what to do. So, um, so Danny, what do you do for work besides the dive shop? Uh, I am a paramedic and uh, an adventurer. An adventurer, yes. <laughs> um, so you're a paramedic and an EMT? Is that, or is uh. that, what's that? <laughs> Starting already. It's, it's starting already. Yeah, it's like three minutes into this. <laughs> you got to start somewhere. Minutes. So, um, how many times you've been bent, Danny? Officially once. Okay. Uh, I've taken 
four chamber rides over two incidences, but I've <laughs> been officially bent once with a diagnosis. Okay. Uh, Jesse, what about you? How many times have you been bent? Once. Once? As once officially, as, as far as you know. Derek? Officially three times. Okay. Um, little micro hits many, many, many more times than that. Yeah. Um, so... I've never done a chamber ride. There are two incidences that uh, looking back at them that I believe that they were some sort of micro hit or a slightly larger hit that I just uh, a bubble denial type of situation. So um, <clears throat> let's uh, because of the way because of the sheer volume skewed towards Derek, uh, let's have <laughs> Derek show us one of his uh, give us a story about one of your deco hits. So maybe your first one. Um and then we'll, or the, I don't know if you want to go in a different order than that or what, but it's no, better, better go chronologically. chronologically, I guess. Okay. That's um, a chronic condition. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let me pull up the photo. Okay. So my first DCS hit was in um, Jenny Springs. Um, Jenny Springs, for, your, for those of you that don't know, is a cave system in Florida um average depth once you get in the back is about 100 feet um but a cave varies in height depending on where you are in the system so some sections are going to be 80 feet some are going to be 104 or 5 feet so it kind of varies um and you have to follow the the path of the cave as you go so that dictates your profile so um okay. Then let me bring up your. I'm going to hide a couple of people here and bring up your uh, profile so everybody can see them. Um, the background noise is my dog deciding that he needed to chew on something while he's hanging out with me. So um, I'm going to hide you guys, uh, Jesse and Danny. I'm going to bring up Derek's uh, uh, profile so that we can take a look at it. So a little right, backstory on this dive before we see the, oh, we can see the profile. Um, uh, this was an after work dive. So um, I worked for a, a dive gear manufacturer, um, not the current one that I work for. And we went diving after work with me, uh, me and one of my coworkers. And we, uh, it was a scooter um, stage dive, um, which is a pretty normal dive for us to do after like on a Wednesday night is when we used to do this. And um, we can go in, you kind of, you go in, follow the floor, all these little peaks up and down, it's just following the cave profile. Um, again, the, the floor is gonna go up in height, so you have to go up and height yourself. So that's why it's kind of jagged and sawtooth. That's just the nature of cave diving. It, um this is a this is one of my hits that is i don't know how i get hit um i went after work maybe didn't drink enough water during the day and was slightly dehydrated i have no idea but um i did this dive we got out of the water it was um it was slightly cold that night so we didn't spend a whole lot of time on the surface probably about 10 minutes on the surface before we started hauling our scooters and, and gear out. But um, you can see it's a, it's a normal profile. We ran into some deco. Um, I did have a problem on my computer where I did not, it, it actually thought I was on oxygen for the first um, 10 minutes of the dive. 
and then I, I re realized that I was on oxygen. So I, I decoded out on what we call ratio deco, where you just um, you extrapolate your dive based off of the ratio of your average step and your um, your time. And so, you know, I did a stop at uh, 70, which is kind of normal for the cave, 50, uh, 40, 30, and 20. Um, but even though that my computer was reading O2, this is a really conservative profile. Um, and so I've got a, a profile from another dive in Ginny Springs that is um, pretty much the same as the dive that I got bent on about a month earlier. Let me see if I can. Yeah. So, so is this oh. one of the ones that you called me on? initially maybe so okay. um the second one is the about a month earlier almost same profile of dive i didn't get bent on it um uh 93 minute runtime um and then the one i got bent on was a 90 minute runtime so you can see that the deco profile is pretty much the exact same on the one that this is the one i didn't get bent on and this profile following this ascent line is pretty much mirrored image of this that I did get bent on. Huh. So the doctor said, hey, it's idiopathic. We don't know why you got bent. But um, so I got, I, I took a hit in my ankle. Um, I felt it, it we, we got out of the water, I think around 10 p.m., drove home, went to bed. I think I woke up around 3 a.m. excruciating pain in my ankle. Like it felt like an ice pick um, getting like pounded into my ankle. So I'm like, something's obviously not right. So I kind of hobbled over to my sink and took some uh, Advil, I think. Whatever you're not supposed to take, I took that. <laughs> nice. And then, um, and then I hobbled out to my car and grabbed my oxygen bottle. And then Used that as a cane to get back inside, kind of walking with it, and got back in bed, kind of cuddled up with my O2 bottle with it right in my mouth, kind of you know spooned it, and um, I fell back asleep and um, and uh, woke up in the morning in still excruciating pain. Went to work, asked my buddy Ted who I was diving with that night. I was like, "Hey man, how do you feel?" He's like, "Oh, I feel great." I'm like, "Dude, I can barely walk," and he's like, "I can see that." you need to get your ass to the chamber right now. And I'm like, really? You think it's that bad? I'm like, he's like, dude, you are, you're in so much pain. You need to get to the chamber. So I, uh, I called Dan. Well, first I actually called the chamber in Tallahassee to see if they were going to take divers. Cause around here we have a problem with chambers and access. So I, um, I called the chamber. I was like, Hey, Ben, I need a I need a chamber ride, and they're like, okay, cool. We'll see you in forty five minutes. And then I called Dan, and um, Dan's like, oh, go to your nearest hospital. And I'm like, okay, nearest hospital is forty five minutes away. And they just happen to have a chamber. I don't know why, but you know, strange things happen. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> and um, and so I did a, a table six with one extension, and um, yeah. So that was that was the first time I got bent. So. All right. 
And let's uh, let's grab Jesse and bring Jesse in and see what Jesse has to say about his. So I'm probably going to hide you, Derek, while Jesse is coming in and telling his story uh, so that he can share his screen if he wants to. So, uh, Jesse, how are we doing? Good. Good. Uh, so why don't you tell us about your whole scenario there? Yeah. So mine was actually fairly recently back in March. And I was doing a dive called Hole in the Wall, which is on a deep ledge here in Jupiter. The max depth around 145 feet. And there's a, you know, it's a, it's a deeper ledge system. And then there's actually a hole in the wall, aptly named, where it's almost like a little cavern. And then you can come up to the top and it's really cool. And there's Goliath Grouper and stuff. So I had done that dive. And I actually have profile as well if you we want to share a screen. Yep, it's up there. Okay. I'll put it out solo big. There you go. Um, I don't think that's mine. Oh, that's Derek's. Yep, that's right. Okay. Yeah, I can put mine up. Yeah. All right, can that you see that? There. Yeah, I just got to make sure I grab it. It's got your name at the top, but it's small. Okay, cool. Nope. Hold on. Fat fingers, click the wrong one. There it is. Okay, excellent. Um, so this is the, the first time of the day. We had spent um, around 30, 35 minutes bottom time between 130 and 143 feet. So nothing super crazy. I was on 27% and then actually had two deco mixes because I've been working with two cylinders to get ready for an advanced trimix class that I was going to take when COVID wasn't such an issue. And along that dive, you know, everything seemed to be fine along the bottom profile. Um, came up to about 60 feet, switched to 53%. Did some deco on that, you know, made our way up to 20 feet, did 98%, switched to that for a while, and then actually switched back to 53%. Um, a buddy needed to accelerate his decompression a little bit, so I handed off my O2 bottle once it had cleared. Nothing about the ascent seemed super crazy. Um, we had a little bit of a quickness in here, but nothing that I would worry about as a concern normally. And then once we were ending the dive and ascending from the fifth or the 20-foot stop, as we started to make our way around like 10 feet, I started to get like pretty excruciating pain in my shoulder and elbow. So it was instant in the water, which was pretty interesting. And at that point I was like, oh no, I don't like that feeling. I'm gonna go back down and see if that alleviates it. And when I got back down to like, you know, 15, 16 feet, it started going away. So I was like, okay, this is, you know, pressure is affecting it. I believe I'm bent. And at that point, there were also a couple bull sharks that were getting a little bit too friendly coming up from the bottom. So I was like, all right, I got to get up to the surface. <laughs> and I came up, told my buddies, all right, I think I'm bent. <laughs> oh, no. And they're like, oh, shit. Okay. I got back on my O2, got back on the boat. Um, at that point, just felt like complete dog crap. Was, you know, just feeling kind of nauseous, kind of woozy. Sat down. My left arm was in a bunch of pain, mostly in the shoulder down to the elbow and then a little bit from the elbow down to the wrist. And it was just kind of like a, like a deep muscle growing pain, but really intense, you know, nothing you could do would make it stop. And it was like, I always remember being like, Oh, I wonder if I'm bent, you know, how do you know? Well, in this case you, you knew right away. Um, it was, you know, it wasn't quite like any other feeling, but got on the boat and was having a lot of pain in my arm, a little bit of trouble articulating it, some weakness. So my buddies helped me get my, cylinders off and they were like, you know, do you want to do something about it? What's going on? I said, well, realistically, there's not much that the captain and crew can do for me. 
if I am able to take care of myself, right? If I start feeling, you know, neuro effects or I start getting really weak or like, like I'm going to pass out or I can't tolerate a rig, that's the point where we should probably tell people, you know, whether that decision was correct or incorrect, that was the decision I made. And I breathed my O2 for a while on the surface and was drinking a bunch of water, took some ibuprofen and was saying, you know, we'll, we'll see where this goes. I'm going to probably set the second dive out. By the time we got to the second dive, there wasn't a significant reduction, but I wasn't feeling as bad. You know, the pain had reduced a little bit as it would um, breathing O2, you know, as we're taught. And I decided to get in for a second dive, actually. And my thought was, I'll get in, I will breathe off my remaining 50% and 100%, or 52 and 98, as long as I can, and see if that affects anything. You know, just maximize how much uh, O2 and the gradient with that that I'm taking in and see if it does anything. So I went down to about 65, 70 feet for a little while on 52%, did that for about 30 minutes till I got low, came up, did some time on O2, I think 10 minutes or so, and then from 12 foot to zero feet, you know, weaned my way up over the course of eight or 10 minutes. So I was making a real slow ascent from there. And, you know, my buddy stayed with me the whole time. They were really cool about that. We actually had a, a scooter we were playing with a little bit, you know, at those depths. And when I got back to the surface, the symptoms had alleviated significantly. You know, at that point, when I got back on the boat, there was no more pain in my shoulder or my elbow. It more just felt like somebody was pushing a finger into my shoulder. So I was like, oh, pretty cool. You know, maybe I, maybe I solved this here, fixed it up. And I actually tried to go back to work after that because I was feeling better. And uh, at that point, you know, my boss was like, you need to call Dan right now. I need to go to the hospital and get checked out. Which and who was that boss? Um, you know, it was, it was a couple of bosses, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the big bosses, but you know, I was, up, I was up front with them, you know, just in case I, this is what happened today. Cause I'd taken a half day off work to go diving uh -huh. and I called Dan. They said, you know, everything you're explaining is, is similar to the signs and symptoms of DCS that we see. You should really go to the nearest hospital and get checked out. So I did that. And when I went there, you know, they evaluated me, they said, you know, it seems like a lot of this has gone away, but you dive professionally, you should really do this as at least a precaution. We recommend it. So I ended up doing a, a table six in the in the chamber. And that was, I think, a five or six hours. They brought me down to 60 foot, brought me up slowly to 30, brought me up slowly to the surface from there over all that time, doing 20 minutes on O2 and then five minute air breaks. I actually have a couple of pictures from that too. Yeah, I think that, so if people aren't familiar, there are recommended tables for hyperbaric treatments. Um, there are different ones. Um, let me bring your screen back in here if you're doing that. Um, so there's different recommendations. And with those different recommendations, the physician would make a decision on what you're going to get for your ride in the chamber. Um, mm -hmm. Let's do, you know, I'll bring this one up uh, nice and big. You can talk about it to be able to yeah. see. So this is me in the chamber. It's not the smallest one, but it's certainly not the largest. You're not really enough room to sit up or anything. Um, it, it was, you know, not so bad. I try to treat any experience like a, a learning experience and something you can have some fun with. I actually had the chamber operators who were super cool show me what everything on that little panel meant. You know, they used their uh, camera and took a picture of it and then held it up to the glass and explained what all of it was and what it did so I could learn more about it. Um, you know, they were snapping pictures with me and stuff which was super fun. And this is me screaming into a pillow and they told me how long I had to stay out of the water. <laughs> how long was that? Um, I had to spend a couple weeks out by Dan recommendations, which was, you know, more time than I wanted to spend out of the water. 
And the funny thing is, after those two weeks, I ended up doing one dive, and then everything got shut down due to COVID. So, you know, interesting timing. So this is fairly recently. Yeah, yeah, this was in March. Yeah. <laughs> Alan wants me to ask you things, but I'm just going to leave it be because he didn't have enough guts to put it into the regular chat. So we know where that's probably going. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. But, yeah. but anyways, it was, it was an interesting <laughs> experience. You know, I learned a lot from it. Um, as far as the profile goes, you know, we talked about the terms deserved and undeserved. From the profile itself, if you look at that, I don't think there was a whole lot of um, deserved in there. You know, I had two deco gases, which is more than I normally have for a dive like this. It's a profile I've done before, similar gradient factors, similar, you know, performance, all that. But looking at the experience as a whole, the night before, I had, you know, stopped at the bar on the way home, had a few shots, had a beer. You know, I was drinking off my friend's drink a little bit. Um, didn't drink enough water at home that night. Didn't get great sleep. You know, six or seven hours, but had some you know weirdo dreams and woke up just not feeling great. And didn't drink nearly enough water in the morning. So, I think the deserved factor comes in a little bit more there. Obviously, I'm not a physician or a professional analysis on these kinds of things, but just looking at my experiences and what I noticed from this, and being honest about it, that seems to be the biggest contributing factor, as far as I can tell. Right. Hindsight is 2020. Um, so, yeah, right. Um, you know, and, and the funny thing is when I was, when I was at work and talking to my bosses, they were saying that the number one symptom of decompression sickness is denial. And, you know, yeah. looking back at the situation, I can pinpoint two or three points where that was certainly a factor yeah. in some of my decision-making and things like that. But uh, yeah, I got lucky and all worked out for the, for the best for me or so we are you know, close to the best as possible. Yeah, so we're getting some social media interaction. Alan, Alan did uh, decide that he's going to post in the group, but he wants me to ask you about the cute operator. Uh, and then the follow-up to that was uh, Ben wants to know if you got her number. Uh, I mean, th these are the silver linings to possible <laughs> DCS issues as cute operators and possible phone numbers. You know, it, it was a silver lining. There were lots of nurses in the the hospital that were interested in my story and I got to hang out and talk for like the couple hours I was sitting on O2 waiting to get in the chamber. The operators, male and female, were both attractive people. They were both very fun to hang out with. They made my time. I would like better. to, right, wait, so hold on one second. Um, I'm going to bring this and this, this seems to need to have some, so the male and female operators were all equally attractive. <laughs> Every everybody was a good-looking person in that room that night, you know. <laughs> so everyone was. What hospital do you go to where all the males and females are attractive for you? St. Mary's, not baby. the one you work at. <laughs> no, not the one I work at. God no. You know, I watched a bunch of trailer park boys with them. It was it was a great night actually. You know, it ended up being not so bad. My my boss Stephanie was calling in. You know, every every so often asking them how I was doing. They gave me some of their own personal snacks. You um, did drop the boss's name now. One of them, yeah. Yeah, one of them. Well, you know, she's she's part boss, part mom. Yeah, exactly. I was gonna say, mom told yeah. you to get in the chamber is what happened. Um, uh, sorry <laughs> to disappoint Ben. Uh, I got both their Instagrams, but um, I think I think uh, that's, that's was that's taken down at all. Both their Instagram. Yeah. That's that's the that's the current equivalent to they gave me a fake number. <laughs> <laughs> they probably so no, I, I didn't get any numbers out of it, but you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, DM me on Instagram. Right. That's that's a thing. That's a thing. But uh, not really. But okay. I, I think uh, I think she had a significant other. So nice. Just, you know, um, before just because I don't want to lose the comment if people start interacting, um, I think everybody can kind of contribute to maybe give their opinion on this because I 
think talking to most of you, some of you have an opinion on this. Um, Ben wants to know, so in-water recompression worked for you. Jesse, we're going to start with you. Do, do you consider in-water recompression working for you? Do you think it decreased it? What's your what's your thoughts on this whole thing? In my case, yes. You know, I, I don't recommend for or against it. Um, I don't know if the decisions I made were, were the safest or the correct ones. You know, I, I can only go by what I did at the time. But my arm hurt really, really bad before I did the second dive. And then it didn't really hurt after I did that second dive. So I tried to do it in the safest way possible based on the, the buddies I had and the gases I had and stuff like that. But yep. again, you know, my decisions are my own. It's, it's, yep. it's, it's, uh, good. So Derek, I know we've, we've talked about this. It was a long time ago that we talked about this is when these initially happened. Um, let me give you some background. Me being a respiratory therapist and having taken the hyperbaric course and, and stuff like that, I often get a picture of someone on an oxygen regulator and says, what should I do? My answer always is if you've grabbed an oxygen reg, you should freaking go to the hospital. Um, but uh, so Derek and I have had that conversation previously, like, hey, look, what the hell did you do? Um, and I think one of that re revolved around uh, a little bit of in-water recompression. Um, so Derek, uh, what do you? what's your thought on in-water recompression? Have you used it? What went down with all that? So I have indeed used it. Um... This is the second time I got bent officially, um, and this was an actual really bad hit, kind of like Jesse said, where um, as soon as he got out of the water or even in the water, he felt like he he was hit. And so uh, I had that happen. I we were diving Eagle's Nest, which is a deep deep cave in Florida. Uh, max depth is like two ninety seven, um, and I was diving with a buddy named James Draker, and we were um it was during my trimix class technically kind of um and he's like oh based off your sack rate we will extend the dive and we'll go down the the lockwood tunnel which is a tunnel around 250 in in the eagle's nest and um and it basically would extend our bottom time so i'm really good on gas so we hit the max depth of what, 290, 290 something. I can't read it. You're going to show that on the uh, screen. If you want, it yeah. doesn't matter. Mm. Jesse, I'm going to jump you out because I've had you talk already. So I'm going to jump you out and put Derek's profile in your place. That's fine. I'll bring you back in a minute. So uh, max depth of 290-ish something feet, and then you come up this hill, and then you hit the Lockwood Tunnel. And th this section is the Lockwood Tunnel. So we recalculated our bottom gas and determined, oh, yeah, we've got plenty of gas. We can go down this tunnel. Um, however, I never really calculated um, how much extra deco that swim down at 250 as it uh, – uh, two, 220-ish, sorry. How much extra deco that would add to the overall dive length. So we were prepping for a dive of two and a half hours. And that extra uh, 20 minutes, 25 minutes at 220 
added about two and a half hours of extra deco on to our dive plan. So I only had undergarments in my dry suit for three and a half hours. I did not have undergarments that would keep me warm enough for the full duration, which was um, five, five and a half hours, I think. Um, see. Yeah, I remember uh, having that conversation. 298 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I started shivering at uh, my at my deco stop at like 60 feet. Once you start shivering, you your body, you know, your blood vessels constrict, and you're not you're not getting um, fluid exchange through your through your arteries and stuff like that. So your outer extremities shut down. So because um, you're going into hypothermia, basically. So as I was coming up, I was decoying out. I was shivering the entire time. I was swimming in circles. Like if you can see my profile at my 20 foot stop, it's all over the place. Like I used hold a pretty good stop usually, but it, it's like up and down four to five feet at a time. And that's because I was swimming in circles around this basin trying to keep myself warm. And it just wasn't working for me. Um, so I eventually surfaced and 15 minutes later, or no, instantaneously almost, I, I carried one bottle to the car and had shooting pains in both of my knees. I was starting to slur my speech and, um, and I was coughing, which is, uh, I think a type two hit, Jason, you, you yeah. would know better than I do, type two. Um, all of those symptoms in that quick and that much pain if I would have called Dan and gotten a helicopter ride, which I would have needed at that point, uh, it would have taken probably several hours to get into the chamber. And Eagle's Nest is a fairly remote site. It's um, it's 30 minutes down a dirt road to even get to the, the dive site. So I knew it would be a long time for me to actually get treatment. So I uh, chose to put my gear back on. Uh, I was diving open circuit on this dive. So that was a, a five hour open circuit dive. And I had to put my doubles back on and then use my O2. My buddy James helped me get back in the water. And um, I did about 40 minutes of extra O2 time. Um, at the end, like, like we call it bonus deco. And um, I did it a little bit deeper then um a 20 foot so my po2 would increase not necessarily a safe thing nor nor is it something i recommend people doing um it's definitely something i definitely don't recommend to do but um i did i did a little bit deeper and um yeah when i came out my knees hurt still but i took ibuprofen drank a bunch of water we stopped for uh, dinner on the way home grabbed a beer um, and plenty of water, of course. Yeah. And um, the next day, I felt I felt pretty decent. My knees still hurt, like it felt like they were bruised, but I didn't feel like I didn't feel like pins and needles, or uh, I didn't feel any of the symptoms I felt on my first hit anymore. So I was like, "Oh, cool! In in water recompression worked for me." Yep. It's not something I recommend people do, but it it worked for me. Um, and so, and, and we were in a remote area. If, if we were closer to a hospital or if we were closer to resources that we could get treated at, I would definitely would have gone to a chamber. 
Yeah. But since we were so far away, it would be helicopter ride and calling Dan and just everything. I just chose to uh, in water recompress. Yeah. And you had a thermal decompression uh, element there, um, a high thermal decompression element, which yeah. a lot of people don't understand about. Um, so Simon Mitchell, who had a, has a really good um, presentation on on that, on the physiology. Uh, since you brought it up and we we kind of generally skipped over, and I'm just going to throw this up really quick. Um, and I'm not sure about the percentages because this was a quick search to just kind of get one because this was on the fly. Um, but um, it, it seems like it's, but basically DCS1 mild um, lymphatics musculoskeletal, um, just kind of general aches, DCS2 moderate to severe pulmonary cardiovascular neurological uh, uh, issues. So uh, what's really type three? <laughs> type three in your ears. All right. So, so um, that was your second hit. And we're going to come back to you. Yeah. We're going to have Danny do his thing. Um, it ended up working out this way. And Danny, tell us about his uh, situation. So I'm going to hide you there, Derek. Washing down your whiskey with your beer. I like it. That's the that's that's how I remember you rolling. Um, so we got to come back down to Florida so we can do that shit again. All right. So I'm going to hide you and have Danny yeah. go ahead and have the center stage to himself. All right. We'll talk to you in a second. All right, Mr. Danny. Hi. Thanks for joining Hi. us, man. Thank you for having me. Did you work last night? Yeah, I'm going back in tonight too. Yeah, so I worked last night too. You can see my, this is the wonderful high tap. <laughs> I bought a nice and I got all my mask sores from freaking wearing masks all the damn time. This is what yeah. I just normally look like. So. <laughs> nice. Um, all right, so what's your story? I know we've talked about it a little bit, but I don't think other people have heard. So, so uh, I got bent twice. Uh, I got my first hit. Uh, was I was down in Florida in cave country doing some uh, some training and uh, we ended up doing uh, Jenny Springs uh, doing one of the the circuits there so it turned out to be about a three hour dive uh, we were on CCRs uh, finished my my deco uh, finished everything past the course all that other good stuff um, when we came up about I would say about like a few hours later uh, started feeling incredibly nauseous, uh, like the, the most nauseous I've ever felt in my life. And I assumed it was, I just did a three hour dive swimming against flow. Uh, and I think I had either a pop tart or a granola bar for breakfast and uh, we were gonna head to lunch after the dive. So even after eating, it didn't start feeling better. I was exhausted, I was just feeling really, really drained. And uh, we're sitting back at the dive shop talking and uh, I just couldn't, I couldn't see straight. Uh, you know, I thought, well, again, you know, I didn't have my, uh, my glasses on for, for half the day. So that's probably what's going on with my eyes. I was sitting there rubbing them, uh, went to bed almost immediately, uh, after it was probably like four or five in the afternoon. I was just like, you know what? I need to go take a nap. Uh, woke up the next morning. We were supposed to go do uh, a much deeper, longer dive. And, uh, I woke up and half of my, my stomach was, Basically, like it looked like I was pregnant, uh, coming out of half of my uh, side, uh, and I had uh, a rash going my entire chest and my back. Uh, so I figured something was up, but I assumed that all right, maybe the you know a sunburn, even though I haven't been out in the sun, and uh, I'm just bloated because I'm eating you know bad Florida food. 
and uh, <laughs> all these like yep. reasons. And uh, so I sat there and it was, I was starting to get ready for the dive, starting to put my stuff together back at the hotel room. And then uh, finally I said, uh, yeah, let me just call Dan. Let me see what they say. Uh, so I called them. Uh, I had to send them pictures of everything. And they, uh, within about like 10 minutes, they came up with a diagnosis of either a skin hit or I have a gastrointestinal uh, hit. Uh, they recommended going to the chamber and getting medical attention, obviously, immediately. So I didn't do that. I ended up going back to the dive shop. You know, I called the dive. I said I wasn't going to go do the dive and, you know, went through everything, talked to a bunch of people at the shop. Uh, and most of them, they all said the exact same thing. It was like, yeah, yeah, that happened to me. And yeah, you know, it happens. You'll just be out of the water for a week or so. You know, you know if you want to go to a hospital, we'll take you right now. But I had no real desire to go take a chamber ride in Florida on my last, you know, two days of vacation. Uh, so I ended up doing it, spent the rest of the day. I felt completely fine after after that day. Um, and then uh, the next day I was supposed to fly out to New York uh, to come back home. So got on the plane, everything's fine. Uh, by the time I reached uh, altitude, uh, I had pins and needles in both my arms. Uh, and as I was on the plane, I, I was able to get Wi-Fi. Uh, I called up the uh, the chamber uh, in New York that's near my house and ended up uh, going directly to the hospital from the airport. Uh, put me into the chamber. I did, a I think, an eight-hour ride uh, the first day. And then I did another seven-and-a-half-hour ride or so on the next morning. And then they, uh, they released me. So by the time I was done with all the chamber rides, I had no more pins and needles. I, the rash was gone. Uh, and I just had the swelling in my stomach for probably a few months. Uh, but that was the only kind of uh, uh, residual kind of uh, symptoms that I had from DCS. So I was back in the water fairly quickly uh, afterwards and everything like that. And that was the, that was the first instance. The second instance, uh, we were doing uh, a wreck out here called the Coimbra. Uh, it's about 180, 195 feet deep. Uh, that dive, we were doing it in December. We had a really beautiful break in the weather. Uh, so we had no waves, no nothing. We were able to get out there. Uh, so about 41, 42 degree water. Uh, my dive plan was uh, going to do 45 minutes at 180 something feet. And then the rest of it's going to be deco. So I ended up doing about 150 minutes total. Uh, my dry glove ripped as I was done with my dive, I was unclipping my, uh, my strobe and, uh, my right dry glove ripped right at the thumb. So about 20 minutes into deco, my hand was completely numb, uh, spending the entire dive trying to, trying to get air in it, try to warm it up, try to just keep it moving. Uh, I was absolutely frozen by the, uh, by the end of the, my, uh, my deco. So when I came up, I started having a uh, slight pain in my elbows. So immediately went on O2 and I said, all right, I'm going to be better about it this time if I ever get bent again. And uh, so I immediately went on O2, felt fine after about 20 minutes. All the pain was gone. I had no other symptoms. Uh, later on that night, I ended up going to work. And uh, as I was trying to, uh, to go to sleep, the pain in my, uh, my right hand was completely unbearable. It, was, it felt like it was on fire and I was getting smashed with hammers. And uh, I was, I took aspirin, jumped in the back of the ambulance. So I was sitting there breathing O2 for trying to take a nap that way, see if that was helping. Nothing was absolutely helping. 
Uh, and I was pacing back and forth saying, all right, do I go to the hospital again? Do I have to do this again? Do I have to go through this whole process again? I don't want to take another chamber ride. Uh, ended up calling Dan and gave him the, uh, my symptoms. I said, definitely sounds like DCS. You definitely have it. You need to go to the hospital now. Uh, so learning from my previous experience, I decided to go to the hospital uh, right from, uh, from work. Uh, they put me into the chamber. I ended up doing a nine-hour ride uh, that first day. Uh, with no relief of my symptoms. And then the next morning, uh, I did an eight-hour uh, ride and no relief of my symptoms. Uh, so finally, the doctor came to visit me in the room, and he told me that, uh, yeah, it's definitely not DCS, but you have a hypothermia injury to your hand. So we just wanted to make sure by giving you all those extra uh, uh, <laughs> extensions. But uh, wow. yeah, we do not believe it's DCS. So you lucked out, but you're, you're not going to be able to feel your, your hand for a few more months. So. Wow. So that was the worst of it, and it wasn't DCS. That is impressive. All right. So what I'm going to do is um, twice this has been asked. I was, I was kind of waiting. Um, let me bring everybody back in. Uh, da, da, da. I'll bring these guys back in. So um, Chad asked and Sarah um so I'll put them both up there. So have any of you had experienced this gone forward to be checked for PFO, specifically those with multiple hits? And then uh, Sarah, too, same thing. Did anyone get tested for PFO after their DCS incident? My doctor insisted on it after mine. So uh, PFO testing for many of you three. Uh, and why or why not? Uh, Danny, we'll start with you since you were already talking. Uh, so initially, I wasn't going to get tested. Uh, and then I kept having like little, little wiggles after a dive, even after uh, changing my gradient factors. So I said, all right, maybe it's that. That's what led to my first uh, DCS hit. Uh, I ended up getting an echo. I didn't do the bubble test, and it was negative. Uh, but it doesn't mean I might not have a very small one that I could find through a bubble test. All right. Good. Uh, Jesse, PFO, yes, no, maybe? No, I have not been tested for PFO. Uh, my reasoning is I have done dives like this before, you know, similar conditions, similar everything, and not had an issue. I was doing 180-foot dives the week before in cave country, um, again, with, with no issues whatsoever. And I haven't had any similar dives since then to, to base any experiences off. So if I started seeing some sort of consistent pattern or I noticed it was happening as a, a repetitive thing, then, then I'd be more inclined to do so. Uh, Derek, you, PFO? I've not been checked. Um, all of my uh, all my hits except for the first one were probably deserved, so I know <laughs> the reason why they should have been hit, uh, why I got hit. Um, and I've done dives much more extreme than, I've, than the dives that I've gotten DCS symptoms on without showing symptoms, so. So like if you're not showing symptoms on a, yeah, yeah, it's not reoccurring. Sorry, the internet. You're um, fine. If you're not showing symptoms on a 12-hour dive, and when you blow off, uh, way too much Zico, and you get out of the water and you feel absolutely fine, pretty sure I don't have a PFO. Yeah. So um, I'm gonna leave you guys in there. Danny's walking around, so I'm gonna let Danny walk and get settled back by his guitars there. I'll bring him back in, in a second. But I wanted to show this for people. So we probably have a mixed audience here. Um, so I'm going to these are the Navy dive tables for recompression. Um 
and they include air brakes and uh, oxygen exposure. These can be extended also, um, but these are depth in meters, I believe these tables are, yep, and then time, and you can extend these uh, for all the different purposes. Uh, so these are, this is the Navy Table 6 that we've been talking about that I believe everybody was Navy Table 6 uh, that went to the chamber and Navy Table 5 is a slightly adjusted version of that. There are different different tables. When we talk about Table 5 versus Table 6, it's what's used as a, as a treatment option for DCS. But I just want to get that out of the way in case we have people that don't understand. Also, uh, gradient factors. I'm not going to grab the image, but gradient factors are basically a way to adjust your decompression. I think Danny mentioned uh, gradient factors. Um, so, uh, uh, gradient factors is a way to, uh, make your own adjustments to your decompression based off of, of different theories. Um, so I think this is something that everybody can answer here. Um, Ben wants to know what thought process do you have on accepting your need for chamber now versus then? And would you seek treatment sooner now after these experiences and why, uh, Danny kind of already answered this question, uh, but do you have anything more to add from what you already said, Danny? Yeah, so we, uh, <clears throat> like Jesse was saying before, that the, the first symptom in, in DCS is denial. And uh, I've, I've done it myself. I've seen other people on the boats. I've seen, I've talked to countless people on when they went through their hits. And the first thing that they said was like, yeah, no, I probably slept wrong or, you know, I had a had a falafel sandwich for dinner yesterday. So that's probably what's causing my elbow pain right now. Uh, <laughs> it's that New York food, Long Island food. This gets them. Yeah, it's the halal. It's, uh, so you sit there and you think uh, and it's really easy for me to say right now that like, yeah, if I ever got hit again, I'd be going to a chamber immediately. But you even trying to be as good about it as possible, you're still sitting there in your head, but well, maybe it's not, or uh, yeah, probably all right this time, or maybe I should do this a little different, or let me see how it goes. Uh, I, I would like to think that I would make a better decision, but. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> you have to think about the cost of the time and out of the water time and everything. It's all, it all is in your head. Yeah. Yeah. It's all, so that, that all goes into weighing whether it's worth it or not. Right. And when you start talking about, um, I've done a lot with the human factors and Gareth Locke stuff, when you start talking about, you know, what, what the perceived cost benefit is and, and those are all human factors of whether you are driven enough to do so. Um, Jesse, uh, are you, would you change your, are you now changing how quickly you'd go to the chamber? Does Steph need to tell you to go? Does mom need to tell you or would you go before Steph told you? Uh, I would, I would probably change some parts about it. I think it's easy to talk about it now. Kind of like Danny said and be like, Oh yeah, like next time, like I'm going right to the chamber. Um, yeah. but the reality is anytime any incident happens of any caliber, decisions are made right then based on the information you're interpreting, the feelings you're having. So, I think as a, as, as a general blanket statement, yes. You know, I, I wouldn't try to go to work next time. I would call Dan and probably go straight to the chamber from there. Um, I, I can't make any decision on whether I would in-water recompress again or not. But, again, it, it's so individualized for each, each situation. You know, like Derek's where it wasn't really an option to get to the chamber at that time. And in-water in was really more the realistic approach at that moment. So summarizing it, basically, if there's an excuse to get off work, you'd go to the chamber. And if not, then you would. Yeah, when in doubt, go to the chamber. You know, just get, to, get checked out. They know more than you do about it. You know, yes, yeah. absolutely. 
Uh, Derek, are you faster going to the chamber now than you were before? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, how long were you out of the No, I'm a horrible you? example. Yes, I know. Um, <laughs> six weeks is what I was always told um, because Dan won't cover another chamber ride for six weeks. And the dives that I'm usually doing are dives that you have a higher risk of being bent on. Right. So, and that, that brings up a good point. It's a probabilistic disease, right? So being a probabilistic disease, Derek has a high probability of being bent because of the types of dives he's doing. Um, so Jesse teaching a dive master course in 60 feet of water or less has a lower probability depending on what he's got going on. But pretty much every dive you do, Derek, is a long exploratory dive in the caves, right? Not every dive, but... Um... The vast majority every yeah yes the vast majority so danny you teach technical and um but still do a lot of open water stuff so you know the and your recreational stuff is um well recreational like for you what you do for fun is technical diving yep. so um so you have a higher probability i know you do a fair amount of it jesse but in, in, for what we talked about recently of what's going on you got different probabilities of different things. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So. It was actually, uh, it was funny that you brought it up. The uh, When I went into, because I went to the same hospital twice or the same chamber, twice for my uh, my two incidences. And they were about like four years apart. And uh, the doctor was looking over my record and he says, you know, uh, you're back here again. Uh, you know, we treated you uh, four years ago for this. And I said, well, it's not like that was my last dive. You know, it's not, I mean, there's nothing I, I'm, I'm changing. You know, that's four or 500 dives later, and now I'm doing yeah. you know, a 200-foot uh, wreck dive in the middle of December. It's, like, a little different than, you know, yeah. if you're getting bent every single week. Right, yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, mine were not as – I don't have as many things, but mine were kind of uh, – one was a liveaboard in Australia, uh, and we just did repetitive head of diving, and then I thought that uh, it was – seasickness not really fully seasick because it happened at the end of the trip but that was me rationalizing like oh i must just be getting seasick how the hell am i gonna get seasick eight days into a boat ride um and then oh maybe it was the food um then it was getting my my uh land legs back you know getting off the boat now i'm sick and i, I don't feel well and i'm tired uh and it was in australia and it was at the end of everything we had no dives afterwards to get any feedback but i'm pretty sure that the flu-like symptoms type of scenario that I had probably has something to do with some of the, some DCS stuff. Exhausted, slept for like days. Um, it, it sounds like the coronavirus and you does, brought yeah. it to, to the, the yes, 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 I brought it. You're responsible. Uh, yes, I am. <laughs> Patient uh, zero right there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the other one, it was just like some arm tingles. Uh, it's more like a mini hit of grab some O2 and uh, sat on the O2 for a while and uh, it, symptoms resolved and I was fine afterwards. But, you know, same thing, bubble denial, right? So uh, everybody here and you talk to, you know, like Nick Faza wrote a, like an article that got posted somewhere, a blog that got posted somewhere about bubble denial. Um Everybody that's talking, you know, the, these video conferences are the rage now and everybody's got a DCS one and everybody, the reoccurring theme is bubble denial, like period. It's, it's, everyone talks about bubble denial. And that question brings up a huge point of all you're trying to do is get through bubble denial, right? So that's that delay of going to the hospital is completely bubble denial. What's your guys thoughts on, on bubble denial in general? Uh, Jesse. Jesse. 
Well, I mean, I'd, I'd agree with you with that statement. You know, mine, kind of the theme of mine was denial too. You know, there's a few points where things could have happened differently or more quickly if I had not been in that, that state of denial. Yeah. So, Derek, have you seen other denial around you? I mean, we know we talked about your specific denial experiences, but. Uh, absolutely. Um, Jitty Springs probably bends more people than any other dive site in the world. Um, and we have no access to a local chamber. So um, if we had a local chamber, it would be so busy. So yeah. we're all in denial here. It's not a river in Egypt. <laughs> I was waiting for the joke. No one was picking up on it. And I know everyone was giggling inside waiting for something. <laughs> um, Danny, I know we've had multiple conversations on denial, but uh, so I'm bubble denial. Uh, <laughs> I was, was good. Where are you going? <laughs> uh, no Don't deny your feelings. Yeah, exactly. Uh, bubble denial, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, it's real. And the way I, I had to explain it to somebody, somebody else that was having similar symptoms uh, on the same wreck the week before, uh, if the easiest solution or the, the simplest explanation for the problem is DCS, just go for that and then work backwards, right? So yeah, just go on O2, yep. go take aspirin, call Dan, go into the chamber. And then if none of that works, then all right, then it's something else because the opposite uh, is just going to be way worse. And, but you, it's, it's really the first time I got bent when I went to that day that I had off and I was going to the dive shop, the amount of people in that shop that told me, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm out of the water for a week and a half now, or I'm out of the water for two weeks because a skin hit or this or that. Uh, you know, the CEO of an agency told me, oh, I'm out of the water until next week because I had a skin hit, but I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. And not one right. person called Dan, not one person went to a chamber and it's, yeah. uh, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily Florida specific, but. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Condensed there. Yeah. Uh, Derek, yeah, I don't think we really talked about your third hit too much, but we're creeping up on an hour. So do you want to say anything about your third hit? Was there anything that you – did we get your third hit? I, no, we didn't, but I can do it real briefly. Yeah. So um, uh, let's bring up the profile real quick. It, it'll just be brief. But it, it's basically 100% bubble denial of this hit. Um, um, I have to look at it too, so. Okay. Um, so I, I was working uh, in Key West. Uh, we were doing a, a survey project on, on the bottom of uh, Key West or like on the bottom. So we were spending uh, about five hours a day at 50 feet doing survey work. And, um, and we were doing this repetitively every day. Every day we'd run into a little bit of deco, but uh, it wasn't much. And if you look at this profile, I would, I would do about, 40, 40 minutes of deco, or on this dive, it was specifically uh, hold on, uh, 260 to 290. Um, so 30 so, minutes of deco. Not to interrupt, but it's about to interrupt nonetheless. Um, so you were within recreational limits and getting into a significant amount of deco, yes? Yeah, well, it was optional deco, right? Because, right. I mean, if the red profile on the top of that image is the decompression profile yeah and i think yeah we were definitely hitting deco limits on that dive um but it, it was not much that this isn't much compared to a normal dive 
Um, so, but I, I decoded out for 30 minutes. I cleared it. It looks like 20, uh, about 15 minutes, I cleared deco. Um, but repetitively diving at 50 feet for five hours a day is uh, is not necessarily safe. But I started to show symptoms in my in my left shoulder, where it, you know pounding pain. I you know I thought it was DCS related, but you know I was in that bubble denial, so I took ibuprofen, drank water, and obviously Jameson. Yeah, because um, that cures everything. Well, once again, the and... mixture of not the right medication and whiskey. Yes, got it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I was in denial for uh, about two or three days. And then um, it was around Thanksgiving. So I was going to go up to see my parents in Virginia for Thanksgiving. So I drove up from Key West to Orlando Airport, jumped in an airplane. And on the way up, I'm like, man, my shoulder's bothering me. So I take more ibuprofen, more water, and um, hop on an airplane. And right around a cruising altitude, it was pins and needles, pounding, like hammer in the shoulder. And I press the call button, and I'm like, hey, um, I need I need pain medicine. And they're like, oh, we can give you kids Tylenol. And I'm like, okay, I need 15. <laughs> like oh we can't give you 15 of this and i'm like uh well i need high doses of <laughs> of something i don't know so the lady next to me gave me tylenol pm and so i took tylenol pm i landed my mom picked me up from the airport and i'm like hey mom i'm bent um <laughs> it's thanksgiving is this weekend <laughs> um but I just took a bunch of Tylenol PM and I am about to go to bed. So I'm not going to a chamber right now. So this is a tomorrow problem. We'll, we'll deal with it tomorrow if, it, if, it, it's, if, it's, uh, if it's real bad. So I woke up in the morning. Obviously, pain's still there. Took more ibuprofen, drank a bunch of water. Um, went to a concert that night, drank more beer. And um, I think four or five days later, I'm still having pain. Haven't gone to a chamber. I get back on an airplane, go back to Florida get back on the boat that I was working on and start diving for four more days. So this is about the worst bubble denial that you could possibly get. You've already have <laughs> massive damage to my shoulder. And now we're going to add four more days of five hour dives on top of that. So by the last day I'm driving up to Q, um, from Key West to Key Largo to go help a buddy of mine. And I can't, my, my shoulder has no more strength. I'm like holding it up against the window because this is where I have relief. And I can't keep my shoulder elevated to get relief and it keeps sliding down. And I'm like, oh shit, that really hurts. So at that point, I'm like, uh, I guess I have to call Dan now. So that was about 10 days after the initial symptoms, which is absolutely what you shouldn't do. And I mean, I went to a chamber for that ride and I'm absolutely convinced that I'm going to have some shoulder issues, like possibly need a shoulder replacement or something like that, because I, I basically probably killed things in my shoulder blade because I did not go to the chamber as quickly as I should have. Um, I know other people that have done the same thing and they've had shoulder replacements. So I know that I'm totally screwed on this and I, uh, in like five or six years, I'm going to need to get a real job and get real insurance maybe. So they'll pay for uh, Shoulder replacement. <laughs> Your current company won't take care of that. You walk through the jungle. <laughs> I uh, I'm a independent contractor right now. Yes. 
Um, yeah, there's there's uh, definitely some bone density issues with repetitive DCS and tactical diving type of stuff. They're looking at different research, but um, that can you do me a favor, Derek, and throw that picture up of and I'll bring it into the street. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of, uh, you in the car. So <laughs> I gotta pop pop you out, Jesse, and I'll bring you back in. Danny gets to stay. There, this is this is what I get. These are the pictures I freaking get from people. Uh, <laughs> hey, you know, do you have any recommendations for me? Get to the fucking hospital. Keep driving. <laughs> so this is like a North Florida thing specifically. Like <laughs> all my friends, they get bent. We um, we get on O2 in the car as we're driving ourselves to the chamber. If 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 we can drive, um, I've got a lot of friends that take have taken helicopter rides, but. If we're driving ourselves to the chamber, we're we're on O2 on the in the passenger seat, driving ourselves to the chamber. And then uh, I think I, I might have sent this one to you as well. Um, and this is the follow up to that photo. I get a lot of those photos too. Oh, hey, I took your advice. Look at me now. Okay, good. <laughs> Look, I'm doing the right thing. Yes, <laughs> aren't you proud of me? Yes, I am now. So. Um, all right, I'm gonna hide this back out here. Jesse show and stream. And then here, uh, this will cover up Danny's face for all of, oh, wait, okay. Now I gotta, all right. I gotta hide Danny for a second because he's already hidden. Um, we have, we're having a bunch of thank yous, but I gotta bring Jesse's uh, picture in here. Uh, everybody's thanking us all for these. Let me hide Danny for a second so that we can see the before and after. Jesse, where'd that picture go? Come on, man. You can't just throw it up there and tease it. Really? Takes you this long, Jesse? Come on. This is a live feed, Jesse. <laughs> you guys can hear me on my webcam or my headset died. I don't know what anyone's saying. Sorry. Can you hear us now? Nope. Wow. Bringing Danny right back in there. All right. Screw it. Thanks, Jesse. Way to, way to pull it. Um, He's so confused. Uh, there was a picture of Jesse with a non-rebreather on too. Um, so uh, let me bring these back up here. Ben says, thank you for sharing your experiences. Um, Chad says, thank you for your candidness and sharing uh, your incidences. And Clay says, thank you for sharing guys, uh, which is exactly what I was gonna say. Thank you very much. It is not an easy conversation to have. Um, hopefully it gets easier. And conversations like these make it easier for other people to have. Um, Jesse's ignoring us. Jesse's getting all sorts of messages and things like that. Um, I don't think he can hear us. So we can say whatever we want <laughs> right now, um, which is amazing. But uh, thank you very much, guys. I'm going to uh, have you guys sign off. And then I'm going to say a couple words about a couple things. But uh, thank you very much. Uh, okay. Add one more thing. Yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. So this is uh, just an add-on. So after the, my first DCS incident, I was terrified to get back in the water because I didn't want to experience pain. Um, and I, I went to Ocean Divers um, in Q Argo, and I did a 30-foot reef dive on 50% just to get that, okay, I know I'm not going to get bent. Diving 50% at Molasses Reef. Um, molasses that's Reef. pretty much impossible. Molasses. Yeah. All nine feet of it. Um, but it's great. I mean, it's a great place to dive. But it's <laughs> yeah, with fifty percent, yeah, you, perfect dive. Um, but that that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, but um, 
Rick Mittens has no sound. We call her Jesse Mittens. What is he doing? He was at the desk, I think. Leave it to Jesse to debunk the entire thing or, or uh, create a debacle right at the end of the whole thing. So, uh, Derek, thank you very much for sharing your experiences. Um, Danny, Absolutely. any parting words? Uh, yeah. The, so, what I like to tell all my students is uh, when it comes to DCS, uh, depending on where you go in the world, you might be the absolute expert at DCS treatment yeah. <laughs> uh, when you go to the hospital. Uh, my diag initial diagnosis, uh, my second hit, uh, was nitrogen narcosis. And right. I ended up firing that doctor uh, from the uh, consultation because he, he had no clue what he was talking about. Uh, so it's really, really important when you go uh, to be your own advocate and to make sure that they are on the phone with Dan uh, as fast as possible. And yeah. Dan will Also bring your dive computer. Yeah, that, that was helpful. Yeah, that's right. That's a reoccurring thing that I can. Oh, Jessica can hear us now. Great. Um, so I've heard it from multiple people. They go in and and that's that is what Danny was saying was not like, like just misspoken. Like he truly thought Danny had nitrogen narcosis. Like I was, I was trying to explain to him that it shouldn't even be a, an option in his computer system. And he says, no, no, we treat people with nitrogen narcosis all the time. I said, I need you to leave the room uh, <laughs> immediately. And please send in, give me a resident, give me just somebody else. And uh, you know, the, usually the hyperbaric techs are the, the best because they, they do understand what's going on. Uh, but a lot of the doctors, they're not, especially here in New York, they're not treating DCS every day. Uh, I was the last patient four years ago. I was the next one, you know, that second time. Uh, so they're just not used to it. So you got to be really, 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 really careful and be your own advocate. Did you end it with, I am an EM EMT, hear me roar? No, no. I said, just, you've got to get out. You, <laughs> this is, you're an idiot. Just get yeah, out. Just get out. <laughs> yeah, that works. Uh, Jesse, let's catch you up. Uh, we were making fun of you not having sound. We said, thank you for uh, sharing all the experiences. Uh, then Rick Peck said head mittens has no sound. We'll throw that up again, just in case you missed <laughs> it. Uh, and then, uh, just basically parting words before I say a couple things to end the show. Um, Jesse. Oh, no, now we, oh, oh God. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, Jesse can hear us, but he can't speak to us. Good. Thank you, Jesse. <laughs> Jesse says, thank you to all of us from Jesse um it's one word two syllables yeah yeah uh ben brings up a good point i actually think this is reverse i think if you use split fins there's a larger risk of dcs actually um based off of workload uh but just throwing it out there derek you think split i think reducer i was not actually wearing fins. i was uh walking on the bottom um, so. <laughs> you muted me. i didn't mute you there yeah, yeah you did no i did not <laughs> Maybe I did. Presenter muted you. Oh, you know what? I did. I did mute you because you were running around making. You're underneath your desk. My apologies. Yeah, I went and got a speaker. Yeah, God. <laughs> uh, um, you know, my parting words were: it, it can happen to the 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 best or the worst of us. You know what I mean? It's if you dive enough, it's not really an if. It's 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 a when. And you know, somebody put it pretty well to me in regards to the time it took me to get to the chamber and call Dan. Which was what would the advice you would give to you? What is the advice you would give to your student, to your dive buddy, if they were experiencing the same things? And I think that's a pretty simplistic way to think of it, and it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that de definitely does make sense. And I mean, that's 
that is one of the big things we need to be concerned about is saying that, you know, it doesn't make you a bad diver, right? So right. There, there, there's no way that you should feel yeah, it happens to, to everybody. Can't. Don't you start, Danny. <laughs> well, only the Jason's best diver. Uh, yeah. You ain't cool unless you got a, you right. got a chamber ride. <laughs> too funny all right i'm gonna have you guys sign off i'm gonna i'm gonna x you guys out but i appreciate all of your uh stories and feedback and helping people out uh and i'm gonna say a few words to the audience and then we're gonna go from there so thank you very much derek bye derek bye. <laughs> see you danny thank you very much Jesse, it's been fun. Take care. Yeah, thanks for giving us an outlet. Absolutely. Anytime. Take care, bud. Bye bye. All right. So, where we're at now is um, looks like our internet speed is a little bit laggy. Um, but I want to thank everybody for showing up here and watching our show. Uh, there are a couple of different things I wanted to talk about. One is that uh, we have a show again on Wednesday. We're actually going to be checking in with some of our friends down in Bonaire. Uh, we are actually switching platforms. Uh, so we are going to go ahead and start being able to stream live on YouTube at the same time as doing this, uh, which is not capable of doing in this program system. Uh, so we are switching program systems right now. Uh, but we have a couple different things. Uh, I don't know if you saw them or not, but uh, we've got new drama diving glasses. We've sold a whole bunch of. So if you want to join us for a drink, they're actually kind of cool, nice little things. Uh, and they come really quick. A local Ohio company makes them, so which is great. Uh, and we have a pa Patreon set up uh, that's scrolling down at the bottom. Uh, if you want to help out with any of the costs associated with the show in any way, shape, or form, we do appreciate that. Uh, we quite literally tore down a section of our shop and put up a studio. So any help is appreciated to kind of get us up and going. And any shares, likes, follows that you could do. Um, <laughs> Derek says, Jason, can you do a... I should have put that picture up. Maybe next time. Uh, there's a picture from 10 years ago, literally 10 years ago, we were talking about, we did our uh, instructor class uh, 10 years ago, July uh, or June, end of June. Uh, and uh, there's a picture of me doing rescue breasts on Derek and it's very close to kissing. We can't to kiss like that anymore because of COVID Derek. Um, so unfortunately, so, but uh, thank you very much for everything, for watching the show, for hanging out with us. Uh, please, please, please support your local businesses, uh, local dive shops, anything you can do. Um, some of our local um, us-based companies also uh and i just really appreciate all the support uh we are through the roof with views and likes and uh if you could give us a like and follow on youtube as well as facebook that is amazing share with your friends we really 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 appreciate all the support that everybody's giving us uh especially in the fact in the current market where uh, it, it's a little bit of a unsure thing but uh thank you have a wonderful day and i appreciate it Take care, guys. Be safe.